0: Our New Testament reading this day is Acts chapter 2. It is the basis for today's message. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit And how is it that we hear, each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, "'What does this mean?' But others, mocking, said, "'They are filled with new wine.' But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, "'Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, "'let this be known to you and give ear to my words, "'for these people are not drunk as you suppose.'
1: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today in Pentecost, we also begin the season of Pentecost. Now, this sermon series that we'll kick off today is all about being made right. Most of the time in our sermon series coming up, we're going to be spending time digging deeply into Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Where Paul digs deeply into the theological truth that apart from Christ, there is no righteousness. Being made right by our faith. Well, how will being made right through Christ bring us transformed lives of freedom, joy, sacrifice, and renewal? See, we were all created to be in the image of God, but the fall has made that image difficult to recognize. But the power of life in Christ awakens our hearts to become more and more like our Savior every day. Now, this series of Pentecost begins with the day of Pentecost. I wonder, do you know that the day of Pentecost wasn't first started with this account of the early church? In fact, Pentecost was celebrated by the Jews for thousands of years before this day. It was one of the major festivals along with with the tabernacles and the Passover. These were festivals that Jews from all over the known world would come pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate those. Now, Pentecost was just a single-day celebration, so many people would be traveling many, many more days than the actual celebration itself. But people from all over would come and gather in Jerusalem to celebrate The celebration was a Jewish harvest festival that celebrated the completion of the harvest. Long after the time of the apostles, the the reading that we read today in Acts chapter chapter 2, this second day was added and the entire festival became, for what is still the Jews today, a celebration of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. And here the Holy Spirit comes. Well, then the the question should be, well, where's the Holy Spirit been up until this point? Well, the Holy Spirit has been from the very beginning. The Spirit hovered over the waters at the time of creation. The Holy Spirit has been with everybody in in the Old Testament who had faith in the promised Messiah. Paul tells us that Abraham had faith because of the Holy Spirit, and that was credited to him as righteousness. So the Holy Spirit has been with everybody, instilling faith and growing faith since the beginning of time. But here in this moment, on this day of Pentecost, remember Jesus' promise that I will send another helper for you after he ascends. This is that bestowal of that promise the Holy Spirit coming in a very special way, not just to create faith, but to empower the apostles' ministry and empower all of the disciples to take on the great commission that they were commissioned with that we celebrated last week. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now this was more likely just the sound of the wind, because if a wind that mighty, and we here in Florida understand the power of a mighty wind, would have demolished any kind of house standing. But this was the sound coming from the heavens and then centering itself inside this home where the disciples, the 120 disciples, were gathered together. And it was so loud that it attracted people from all over the city to come see. And investigate this strange occurrence. God brings people to see the apostles, and the divided tongues of as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. There was this single flame that was divided, then that landed on the top of each one of those hundred and twenty disciples. First came the sound, and that would have been quite startling, and then came the fire. Now, they are on fire, but not burning. Kind of think back to Moses being sent on his journey to be the Savior for Egypt and the burning bush that was burning but not being consumed, a a similar type of thing happening here, and this would be amazing and frightening. But interestingly enough, there's no mention of these disciples being afraid. There's no angel that appears to them and says, do not fear, like's happened in the past. See, let there be no doubt that this is the the true presence of God manifesting itself with his disciples, filling them with faith. And filled with faith, there's no room for fear. Jesus said last week that they would be clothed with power from on high. Think about that. Wrapped up in clothes from on high, powerful clothes, and that's exactly what's happening here. The promise is fulfilled, and they are dressed in the best. and they are made right. And we are made right. This week, we focus on being made right with the right spirit. I took some time this week to investigate Holy Spirit and attributes of the Holy Spirit found in the New Testament. And It was really interesting to me. Romans chapter 8 says this, You who, are, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, and anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So there's this Trinitarian view that the Holy Spirit is, is all of these together, and His presence is with them. John fifteen twenty six says, But when the Helper comes, who I will send from my Father, the Spirit of truth... Who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. The Holy Spirit is true. There is no falsehood in him. He is a perfect truth. Not this slippery slope of what's true for you, maybe or may not be true for me, but this is a solid truth that is unchanging. Paul writes to the Romans again, "...and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness." By his resurrection from the dead, Christ Jesus our Lord, the Holy Spirit is holy. It's in his very name. We should know that, right? Holy, perfect, set apart. Paul says, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The Holy Spirit is a God of life, not of death, but of life. Paul says again, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back by into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit is the one who puts us into that relationship with the Father by bringing us the gifts of grace of Jesus Christ. He connects us, adopts us in the waters of our baptisms and calls us his own sons and daughters. Paul writes to the Ephesians that the, Lord of our, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Not wisdom as the world gives, but as God gives. And sometimes that wisdom looks like foolishness to this world. But it is wisdom beyond our imagination. Wisdom that He gives to us to allow us to discern the direction and His will for our lives. Revelation to know of Jesus Christ through the pages of his living word. This is the Holy Spirit who we celebrate today. A spirit of truth, of life, of holiness, adoption, wisdom, revelation, and glory. This is who the Holy Spirit is and what he does And this Holy Spirit of all of those attributes fills those 120 disciples. And they do extraordinary things like speaking languages that they've never studied or known, which makes me so incredibly jealous as somebody who studied Latin, Greek, and Hebrew and had to do blood, sweat, and tears in order to manage just a measly understanding of it. Here instantly, a bunch of untrained nobodies start communicating in who knows how many languages. It was amazing. It made me wonder, well, why don't we get to do some of those cool things too? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were filled, Scripture says. See, God supplied them with as much of the Holy Spirit as they could possibly hold They were full of the spirits. These are are hearts that have become awakened to the power of life in Christ. And God awakens these hearts so that other hearts might be awakened as well. And being filled to the brim of the Holy Spirit means there's no room to be filled by any other spirits. Like water that fills a container completely to overflowing, there's no room for anything else. And yet, if we're honest, some of us like to keep a little extra space so that we can fill our lives with other types of spirits besides the Holy Spirit. The New Testament talks about negative spirits, really combining them all into three main categories. Acts 16.16 says this, as we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. This spirit of divination we can understand not just as fortune-telling, but seeking input into our lives from any source other than God. Do we plan our life according to what the news says is happening in the world, or do we plan it according to the Word of God? Do we seek input from society as to what is correct and what is incorrect in today's life or do we go straight to the word of God? Sometimes we go to places that tell us the things that we want to hear and the answers we long for. Paul says this in Romans chapter 8, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received a spirit of adoption. This spirit of slavery is this bondage that we have to sin and whenever you whenever you allow yourself to be trapped in sin whether that's addiction or or things that you think or things that you say or things that you do that you really enjoy but you know God would not be pleased with and you sit and settle in that sin and you allow it to trap you and guide your life down directions that God would never lead and then finally Paul says in Romans chapter eleven, that it is, as written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. See, a spirit of stupor. It's not being uneducated. It's lacking the wisdom to know Christ, lacking God's wisdom and knowledge. So we get to this place in our life where we realize that maybe we are poor in spirit. Maybe we don't have enough of the Holy Spirit in us. Maybe our tank is just a little bit empty, or it's not empty, it's filled with the wrong kinds of spirits, and we find ourselves poor in spirit, which if that's you today, you're in a good place, because Jesus' teaching on the Beatitudes says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You see, only when you get to a place where you recognize that you are poor in spirit, when you've poured everything out, can God start from scratch and pour everything back in that is good, that is holy, that is true, that is life-bringing the Holy Spirit, and fill you with this. Now, sometimes we have people who have faith stories that have this amazing transformation moment in their life where all of a sudden God hits them in the head with a two-by-four, and the, the Holy Spirit whooshes into their life like this Pentecost moment and changes them drastically and dramatically for the better. But not everybody has a big Whoosh. A lot of us have a gentle breeze that's been consistent throughout years and years and decades. That continual feeding from God's Word and sacraments. It's a slow and steady growth. And it only comes, it only comes through the Word of God. I wondered. Just about the overall biblical literacy. Now, obviously, here at St. Luke's, we have a much higher biblical literacy than anybody else. (laughs) But all of us could have more, couldn't we? All of us could have more. From the person who spends hours a day in it to the person who hasn't even opened it in maybe years. And the only feeding of God's word you receive is when you come here and you hear it. That's not enough, my friends. That's a starving and anemic faith. If you want more Holy Spirit in your life, open up the Bible and read Mark, learn, inwardly digest it. Consume it. And what you'll find is the more you consume it, the more you desire it. And the more you desire it, the more you consume it. And God starts to open things up to you in ways that you've never seen or understood before. And you make connections that you never made before. And you start living your life in a transformed way. The most common response for not reading the Bible... time, right? That's the one thing that we can't generate more of in this world. It's a non-renewable resource. Time. We're busy. There are 24 hours in a day, and what we fill that 24 hours with depends entirely on our choices, on our needs, on our desires, our priorities. And we may say we have no time, but ultimately we do not have time because we're filling our days with things like Other things that are just simply, honestly more important than the Bible. But if the Bible, the literal word of God, is the most valuable thing there is, then shouldn't it be at the top of our to-do list every day? And not to, to do it out of begrudgingly or it's a chore that we have to accomplish to please God, but because every time we do, we get to sit at Jesus' feet and hear him talk into our lives. And what could be better? Biblical literacy advocate Jen Wilkins said this, ultimately we give time to the thing that we love. In other words, we're not reading the Bible because we do not love the word, at least do not love the word more than we love Instagram, Netflix, school, work, or whatever else fills our days. It's been my prayer this week that the Holy Spirit would whoosh into your heart. To create a, a burning desire for more of God's word. Because the more of God's word that you are exposed to, the more the Holy Spirit has exposure to your soul. To bring you his gifts. The fruit of the spirit. To bring you a change. To not leave you the same. But to bring you a transformed life of freedom. And this transformed life of freedom is one that realizes that God has given us a precious gift in his law that we don't need to ignore, but rather we should observe it not out of a fear of going to hell, but out of a joy of showing our love to God. This transformed life of joy is about coming together with one another and worshiping in such a way that we celebrate what God has done and continues to do and will do for the rest of our eternal lives. It is good news. This life of sacrifice, it's not just about service or giving time here or there when it's convenient. It's about sacrificing and and serving God and serving the church and serving your neighbor to the point where it impacts your lifestyle, it impacts your budget, it impacts your calendar, And God doesn't want you to do this again out of fear. He wants you to know the joy that sacrifice brings. Jesus considered it joy to go to the cross. Not happy or easy by any means, but joy. He knew the joy of sacrifice. And he longs for you to encounter that same joy. And thanks be to God, also brings us to a life of renewal. A life of renewal that that sets us free and enables us to receive God's grace and forgiveness and then experience the joy again of sharing that forgiveness with those who have hurt us, especially those who have hurt us the most. And a life of transformation and renewal where God takes away the, the bad habits that we have and instills in us healthy habits. This is a transformed life. That's what it means to be a disciple here at St. Luke's. A transformed life of freedom, joy, sacrifice, and renewal. A transformed life that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has great power to do amazing things which with each and every one of you. For the disciples in that day... Following this, people are so confused and bewildered they have no answer for all of these languages being spoken simultaneously, and Peter gets up and preaches a simple sermon that said, this Jesus Christ, by the way, whom you all crucified, he is the Savior of the world. Repent and be baptized. And in that day, 3,000 people were added to their number. 3,000 people. Put this in perspective. Jesus, like the better preacher than Peter by far, spent three years of grueling ministry. And the Holy Spirit, for the sake of Jesus, drummed up 120 disciples. 120 The Holy Spirit, working through Peter in this moment, opened and awakened the hearts of 3,000. Remember when Jesus made that promise to his disciples that you will do even greater things than me? This is that greater thing. And that promise he gives to us as well that filled to the brim with the Holy Spirit, we're not just supposed to experience a transformed life for ourselves, but to go out into this, this community and imagine, imagine if you will, an entire community coming alive to the power of Christ. I can't wait to see it. May this peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.